Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope you rested well. It's great to kind of scroll through and see everyone's faces. Yeah. Um, we have got about 76 people in, so thank you all for on the West Coast getting up early on the East Coast, gliding into our Zoom room. So I'm going to um, just read you a quote this morning by one of my teachers and mentors and friend, Gina Sharp. She says, in order to cultivate a truly loving and kind heart, we need to develop the practices that cultivate and strengthen forgiveness and the natural compassion within us. And I found that quote to be so true for me and how it's touched me around the strengthening of my heart. As we begin this morning with our heart practices, you know, every morning we'll be doing some uh, Brahma Viharas and some other heart practices. It really is my pleasure to be able to present to you and offer a guided meditation on compassion the second Brahma Vihara. It's often called Karuna in Pali. It's the ancient language of the Buddha. And you know, over the years when I've been on teaching teams or doing a retreat or what have you, I may have been asked, you know, what Brahma Vihara do you want to do? What exactly um, calls to you? And almost Hands down, I can say if I'm offered a Brahma Vihara, although all of them are, they touch me, I'll say compassion. And um, I was thinking about it and I was thinking about, well, that's a slam dunk. And then I realized you've never seen my little short body on a basketball court. So maybe slam dunk isn't the, the right word. But compassion is my practice as are all of the Brahma Viharas, but, okay, maybe somebody said they can't hear me. So I'm speaking as loud as I can in this moment. So, um, okay. Um, so compassion is my practice. It's the way in for me to soften my heart but it's also, much like all the other Brahma Viharas, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to stay in this practice on a daily basis. So today we're going to just kind of weave our way a little bit into um, being and living in this practice of compassion. Yesterday, we started with the first Brahma Vihara, which was um, with Mudita, I'm sorry, with Metta and Pawan, and she so beautifully offered us this guided meditation. And like all of the other Brahma Viharas, the Buddha has said that these boundless qualities 
of the heart are these qualities that we can nurture and cultivate. And oftentimes you'll hear us use the word cultivate. And it's really just as Gina said in her, in the quote that I just gave, it's the strengthening of the heart. The other thing about cultivating these particular Brahma Viharas or these heart practices, it's really a pathway to awakening. And I just find that at this time in our lives, this time in the conditions that we're living in, it's vitally important to not only have a fierceness and a strength to do the things we need to do to hold ourselves up strongly, but we also need to have a strengthened and resilient heart. There's a gift here in the awakening if we are entering through the Brahma Viharas, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But these are also referred to as divine abodes. So here we have this word, this divineness that we all have heard of, but the, the sense of the abode, it's that indwelling place. It's a place that we can dwell in our own home, our home of the heart. And the Buddha unequivocally said, while practicing metta, karuna, mudita, upekka, these are the heart Brahma Viharas, it is definitely a way to liberate ourselves. And I just was thinking about this last night, and I just wanted to say that we, we're constantly talking about the heart practices, but I just want to say that the heart is actually an organ that is really only about the size of your fist. Very small, lodged right here in the chest area. But it does so much, you know, the heart actually pumps 60 to 100 times per minute. It gives us sustenance, it gives us blood, it gives us what we need to live on. So I think it's just appropriate that we tend to our hearts in a way that is caring and loving. So we're also gonna look at where in our own indwelling, in our own abode, is our heart of compassion. How do we meet the suffering of our neighbors, of our friends, of the world, of our global pandemic? Where do we meet our own suffering? With a tender and compassionate heart. With each breath, each moment, each time we turn our attention to the suffering of the world. Oftentimes I like to look at what is the definition of the words compassion or whatever it is that I'm drawn to to teach. And so I looked up the, the meaning, the definition of compassion and it says it's pity, sympathy, 
empathy, feeling, care, concern, sensitivity, warmth, love, tenderness, mercy, tolerance, kindness, clarity. Isn't that what we feel when we, we, we turn and we look at somebody or we look at ourselves and we, we find or we feel that suffering in them? It's said that when we meet suffering, when we see suffering, we meet it with a tenderness, not hard, but we just are meeting it with all of our true selves. And we meet it with loving kindness. Automatically, our heart begins to open with compassion. But the antonym, the other side of the meaning of compassion is indifference and cruelty. And I'm sure we have felt that too, the hardening of our hearts. When we've looked at something and thought we may have just shook our heads and went tis tis, look at that. But that's all part of this heart process. It's all part of taking a look at it and strengthening where we are. The Dalai Lama says, each of us in our own way can try to spread compassion into people's hearts. Western civilizations these days place great importance on filling the human brain with knowledge, but no one seems to care about filling the human heart with compassion. This is what the real role of religion is. Again, he's speaking to this cultivation, the strengthening of the heart. He's not speaking about strengthening the mind in this particular quote. He's really talking about this small organ that holds us so dear. While practicing compassion, we oftentimes come face to face with that hard reality of suffering. It's exactly what the Buddha gave us. It's that hmm, first noble truth that there is suffering. We can meet it. What are the causes of suffering? The second noble truth. The third noble truth is that there is a cessation. There can be an ending of suffering. And the fourth noble truth is that there's a path. There's a pathway of ending it. And it really speaks to the ills that, is, or that come to us as our human nature. Suffering, this greed, hatred, and delusion. The three poisons of the mind. But I also add they're the three poisons of the heart. These practices are precious. It's such a beautiful time that when we awake in the morning that we are really guiding ourselves into the pathway to liberation through our heart. And it allows us to incline ourselves to meet the suffering. As I said, not with any strength or aggression, but actually with soft eyes. 
a way that we can soften and make our hearts much more palpable to what we're seeing and what we're feeling. Witnessing the anguish and the sadness and the sorrows. Being able to, to walk in that path and it's not an easy one, that's the practice. It's much easier to turn away. It might be too hard to see. And yet we have to rise ourselves, rise up to meet it. Just like all the Brahma Viharas, compassion wears a cloak of delusion. Each of the Brahma Viharas have a near and far enemy. Pawan spoke about those near and far enemies of metta yesterday. Pity is the near enemy of compassion for it's a hidden quality of aversion. And what I was saying about the three poisons, greed, hatred, and, and delusion, that hatred of the, the second one of that, of that poison is actually aversion. It's what we wanna turn away from. It's the things that we don't want in our lives. And when they present themselves, we wanna either stuff them or turn away. So pity is the near enemy. The delusion of pity in part is from the belief that we hold ourselves separate from others. That we're protecting ourselves in some way. And what happens when we begin to cultivate karuna, compassion, that starts to dissolve itself. That sense of pity or looking at somebody else in a way that we're separate. And as we grow with the sense of compassion in our hearts, we begin to bring our attention to it, to whatever we're facing, and it begins to abandon that hard sense of pity and separation. The far enemy of compassion is cruelty. And we felt that in our lives. We felt cruelty raise its, 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 its head and say, huh, that cruelty is actually devoid of any mercy, mercy. And our compassion practice has a way of, of upending that, of, of seeing the root of it. True compassion is a tenderness to be ready. That readiness to meet what life offers us, the challenges, the sorrows and the joys. Master Su Wa was a Chinese Chan and Mahayana teacher says this, all living beings are my family. The universe is my body. All space is my university. My nature is empty and formless. Kindness, compassion, joy and giving are my way. 
And when I first heard this, I was on a retreat, actually last year in South Africa. And uh, Master Shuen Wa has, was a teacher of, um, teacher's teacher of Tanesser and Kitasaro. And this just kept coming up for me. And when I arrived home here back in the States, it was the first thing I wanted to, to make sure that I wrote down. All living beings are my family. The universe is my body. All of space is my university. My nature is empty and formless. Kindness, compassion, joy, and giving are my way. So I invite you to take that in as possibly a practice. And there are many benefits to practicing these Brahma Viharas, but before I get into the, some of the benefits of compassion, I wanna talk about something that I think that we don't do enough of and that's self-compassion. We tend to turn away, we, we turn our eyes to what we see out here in the world and there's a lot to see right now, there's a lot to feel. The hearts of sorrow and suffering and when we're faced with the worldly despair and anguish, especially now, we've, we feel this sense of empathy, fierce compassion to the violence, to the, the death, the injustice, all that we see, we're just bringing our hearts to it. And we see it from the endless streams of the news cycles and the social media feeds and all the things that keep us present in it. And yet I know I find myself often not turning the mirror to see where can I be compassionate to myself. It just seems like that's where we begin. turning the mirror to our own despair. As we act in, this, in these ways that are benevolent and we're giving outside to whether it's a particular cause or somebody that we know or what we're seeing in the world, we also have to tend to this little organ in our heart, in our, in our bodies, our heart to pay close attention to when it's closing and when it's hardening. And when we can't, we're not in touch with it in a way that speaks to our true nature. It doesn't take a lot of energy and effort, but it does require us to be courageous enough to take a deep look to actually walk in that path of self-compassion. And some of the benefits of developing or cultivating, we keep using this word, cultivating, 
cultivating a compassionate heart of Karuna, it's the purification of our heart. And I don't say that lightly. It's how we can take those poisons and begin to purify ourselves. It uncovers and softens the spikiness that happens as we tend to walk in the world in at least in this particular time and space. Another benefit of cultivating a compassionate heart is really choosing a path of practice, a path of being of service. It's like that bodhisattva way of being able to look and know that what we're doing is for the benefit of all beings, not just one, not just two, not just the people in your house, but including everyone, excluding no one. Another benefit is the opportunity to actually feel the quivering. They say that compassion is the quivering of the heart. To actually feel your heart quiver when you see the sadness. I don't know, have you ever felt that? It's like, oh, maybe it's a sinking. Maybe your, your chest kind of comes down and goes, oh, I'm feeling your sorrow. I'm feeling your suffering, meeting it without turning away. It's the quivering. And for me, it feels like it's such an opportunity to be real, to feel, not cognitively, but in the body. And the other benefit is that it allows us to begin to wake up on this path of non-suffering. It's a pathway in. I'll take all of those benefits any day. It's the things that become my practice. And I said in the beginning, and it's the most challenging. It truly is. But I also want to mention that all of the Brahma Viharas whether it's loving kindness or compassion or appreciative joy or equanimity, all of the Brahma Viharas are not passive. Because we're talking about the heart practices doesn't mean that there's a fierce, a fierceness to them all. That's where the courage comes in. The courage to meet the challenges along this path. There is this incredible opportunity as we're starting to cultivate compassion in our hearts to live it moment to moment breath to breath so right now let's just take a few moments just a few minutes and I'm going to guide us through a practice of radiating compassion so let's take our seats and find a place of calm in our bodies. Taking in all that we've just talked about, knowing that your heart is opening, the willingness to open our hearts in a way that 
is true and real, not closed and critical, cynical, but bringing joy to this existence of the heart space. So either lowering your eyes or closing them, whatever feels more comfortable for you. Finding ease, beginning to feel your full body awareness, knowing that your body is resting on the cushion or on the chair, or lying down, you may be standing. Feeling the groundedness of support for your practice this morning. Finding your breath, it's always there. It oftentimes just goes unnoticed, doesn't require a lot of attention. But when we bring our attention to the breath, we find that it is that place that we can ground ourselves. remembering that our heart is this precious organ that gives us life. We have the opportunity right now to hold it in a way that is soft and tender. And take a moment to check into your motivation for practice this morning. What's your aim or your intention? Is it to strengthen and cultivate the heart of compassion? Or is it to rest, allowing all else to drop away? allowing yourself to see that the way forward in your practice this morning is for the benefit of not only ourselves, but for the benefit of all beings, for others, for that sense of altruism, 
finding a position in yourself with a posture that will enhance your concentration, removing any obstacles or any impediments right now to this opening of the heart. Anything that would block or hinder your mindful awareness. Opening. Softening. Resting. And again, taking a few minutes to check into your body. The heart in the body, the breath in the body. Seeing that you can align your spine as if it is a string being pulled up to the sky. Straightening your neck, finding some ease there. Possibly just lowering your chin just a little. Softening your eyes and right between your eyes. Loosening your jaw, you find some tightness there. Coming down to your shoulders, pulling them away from your ears, bringing them down, rolling them back. So there's this opening of the heart cavity, the chest area. Continuing to breathe. Often we can breathe so deeply we can feel the breath in the back of our lungs. Then we find the rhythm that suits us for this practice period. The one that enhances your concentration. Finding your sits bones squarely on either the cushion or the chair. Allowing for as much support as you need. Placing your hands either on your knees or possibly in your lap, 
but such that it doesn't collapse the chest or bring up the shoulders, but something that brings some ease to how you're resting your hands. This interconnectedness of our body, it's magical. And now finding that three-pointed connection, either your knees and your butt onto the cushion or your feet touching the earth, touching the ground, feeling yourself rooted in this morning's practice. Breathing, remembering to breathe. Bringing life to the body, aliveness. And just knowing there's nothing else to do in this moment. Just being with the breath and the body. Just bringing to mind what your intention may have been for this practice. Is it, it could be the purification of your heart. Uncovering, uncovering its, its natural purity, finding liberation there. Or maybe it's your path of service, allowing your heart to be, to do the work that is so important to the benefit of others and to yourself. Or feeling the quivering of your heart. And allowing this compassion practice to awaken. Awaken all parts of yourself. Moving closer and closer to this place of non-suffering. 
So I invite you to begin to silently with your, to yourself, use the word compassion. You may want to use the word karuna, again, that Pali word, but just say it over a few times to yourself. Softly, compassion. Breathing in. Compassion. Allowing it to land. Resonate with you. Compassion. Compassion is that well-wishing that others would be free from pain and suffering. Compassion. Breathing that in. Perhaps some sort of reflection that all beings, may all beings be free from the causes of suffering. Not just being free of suffering, but from the causes of suffering. Compassion. Being able to softly allow that energy to enter in, it moves us from doing compassion to being compassion. This is the cultivation of the heart. And if your mind begins to wander, just bring it back to the word, compassion. Or maybe the reflection, may all beings be free from the causes of suffering. Compassion. Once you've fully rested in this radiating space of compassion, once you know that there's no obstacles to closing the heart, you can move now to 
imagine the boundless qualities radiating from you. Just as Biko Analio, a German monk and scholar, instructs in his teachings, allow your experience to be like compassion is a lit candle, hidden or shrouded behind a soft curtain. So as you continue to feel that compassionate heart, gently pull back the curtain in ways that you allow the light of compassion to shine. This radiating light. Inch by inch, pulling it back. Compassion. Loving, intimate, tender, heart of compassion. And as you gently pull back, slowly removing the curtain from the front, you're allowing the light of compassion to shine even brighter. don't need to be concerned about who that light is shining on. It's shining on all beings, including yourself. Allowing the curtain to part a little bit more. Allowing your heart to open up just a bit more to this boundless, immeasurable abode. Karuna, compassion. May all beings be free from the causes of suffering. And when you're ready, let's move slowly to this boundless quality of radiation of compassion by gently moving the curtain towards the front and towards the right and the left and from behind and above and below so that there's no more shroudedness, the light of compassion and boundless karuna is radiating out. Leaving no one behind.
using the breath as your grounding, finding that rhythm, paying attention to your inhalation and exhalation. Gently touching into the stillness without any agitation or ways that don't feel like there's ease without any boundaries or any expectations, just compassion, just compassion. This full awareness, this radiating, boundless compassion is different than selecting who you'll bring, your, bring up to your mind's eye and focus your attention on to give them compassion, as we have done so often in the phrases for self, benefactor, neutral person, and so on. This allows compassion to shed its light on all beings, including ourselves. All beings receiving the benefits of our heart's intent. Compassion. Again, the Dalai Lama, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. sweetly and succinctly put, pathway to liberation. Compassion. Bringing ourselves back 
radiating. Continuing to feel the freedom of this offering, the loosening, the opening, moving inward and outward, deepening the field of your compassionate heart. Allowing the curtain to be fully pulled back. Radiating the light, nourishing the light of Karuna.
So as we bring our awareness back in front and center, we're just so grateful for this opportunity to soften and actually be compassion versus doing compassion, that indwelling place in our hearts. And to close, I'd like to share with you a poem called Under Ideal Conditions. Say in the flattest part of North Dakota, on a starless, moonless night, no breath of wind, a woman could light a candle, then walk away. Every now and again, she could turn and see the candle burning. 17 miles later, provided conditions remained ideal, she could still see the flame. Somewhere between the 17th and 18th mile, she would lose the light. If she were walking backwards, she would know the exact moment when she lost the flame. She could step forward and find it again and back and forth, dark to light, light to dark. What's the place where the light disappears? Where the light reappears? Don't tell me about protons and eyeballs, reflections and refractions. Don't tell me about 1,086,000 miles per second and the theory of relativity. All I know is that place where the light appears and disappears. That's the place where we live. Let's dedicate our time this morning to the practice of compassion, deepening, cultivating, softening, widening this light, this radiating light of compassion. And may our practice this morning be for the benefit of all beings, two-legged, four-legged, winged and gilled, May all beings find peace and ease. May all beings soften their hearts and find freedom and liberation. Thank you, family. Thank you so much, Sangha.